This is an AMI podcast. I'm Kelly McDonald. I'm Ramia Amadin, and this is Kelly and Ramia. Hey, I'm Grant Hardy, and welcome to the Headlines segment. I tackle everything from health and lifestyle to accessibility and tech. I have it all right here on Kelly and Ramia. Hello, Grant. Hi, folks. Thanks for having me on. Fantastic show so far. I am super stoked that uh, our tech contributors or just other members of the Blind and Partially Sighted uh, community are starting to get their hands on some of these new goodies like the Apple Vision Pro. I don't don't know about you guys, but I've, I've noticed a lot of people in the community and and i i'm starting to do this too make recordings for sort mm. of a form of like a journal or do you, you know to save memories and i think having these tools with these fantastic microphones and audio quality are going to be great for us to be able to use in the field yeah absolutely and we were talking just on a practical level right uh, with michael on just things sounding better, getting on phone calls with Bluetooth headsets and such. But you're totally right, Grant. There's a lot of footage now and feedback through audio. um, And that means, you know, lots of cleaner quality. Especially with the help of AI, apparently. So. Ooh, interesting. Yeah, with the processing. Cool. (laughs) Where are we starting uh, with you today? Sure. Well, we're starting on a little bit of a more somber note. I mean, dogs are usually man and women's best friends but not always in uh, the toronto area alone apparently there are somewhere between two hundred and fifty thousand to three hundred thousand dogs um and only about one percent of them are problematic dogs i was gonna do the math in my head here but um, leave that <laughs> leave that to you guys to do uh-huh. um but that being said uh dog attacks are serious business they can be really uh, life-changing both in terms of health you know heaven forbid health of your pet or just trauma and this week the economic and community development committee is going to be hearing from some city staff some city uh, councillors who are recommending several changes to the registry for dangerous dogs So in the past, it turns out that owners have only been required to hang a sign warning about the danger of their dog. But city councillors are saying that doesn't go far enough. So the biggest change is going to be, if this gets approved, a publicly accessible list that would provide a dangerous dog owner's ward number as well as their postal code prefix to let people know where the dog lives and it would also include information about the dog like its breed name and a description of when incidents took place so they're saying that this is going to be obviously very controversial uh but they are willing to i guess fight to push this through because of the fact that dog attacks are so life altering. Uh, I, I took my dog to a dog park, uh, about a week to 10 days ago. And I thought it was just me. Cause I watch a lot of American court shows. I also like to call that trash <laughs> television to be perfectly <laughs> honest, but but I watch a lot of American court shows, and time after time you see this 
oh, dog attack here, dog attack there. And I promised my dog was friendly, but mm. this and that. When I took my dog for the first time to a dog park, I was panic mode. I was like, oh my God, she got too close to this dog. I was like, because the vet bills are ridiculous <laughs> to cover an injury. And so I was panicked. Do I think this is a necessary maybe? But I also think there is going to be a bit of controversy. And how honest are people going to be when they have to go put this on the registry and my dog's a bad dog and I got to admit it. Mm. I think that's yeah. where the challenge is going to come from. I really do. Of course. Right now I it's mean, kind of an honor system, right, Grant? Like we in Toronto, you can bring your dogs and cats, I guess, and maybe other pets too. But anyways, definitely dogs on uh, TTC, our local transit system. And I'm thinking it's very much an honor system. Of course, I don't have to worry about Glasgow. He's an adorable doodle, not there to hurt anybody. But um, it's just the risk you're taking. And really, there are all kinds of people on TTC who are terrified, traumatized, um, nervous about, you know, the spectrum of fear levels to 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 pets on transit especially dogs but we have no idea what kind of temperaments we're dealing with there's no way for us to check and you're just kind of hoping that people who will take the uh, initiative or like who are bringing their their dogs on TTC are taking the initiative and the understanding and uh, of really just realization that hey if my dog can't be around other people or can't handle any unforeseen circumstances like another dog on TTC, then they probably shouldn't come on public transit. Exactly. Yeah. I think, I think we judge all too quickly. You know, it's that phrase of don't judge a book by its cover. And I think people do that. Like to Ramia's point, we don't know what the person has had that's traumatic that's taken place. So we can sit there and sell them, sell them 100%. My dog would never do this. I promise. I, you know, my dog's so friendly. All she wants to be is your friend. But there there can be some very traumatic things that take place for people. And I think we all too often look and go, I promise you, my dog won't do this. And it's like, yeah, but you don't know the history of this person and said animal as a whole, not just your dog. Yeah, exactly. I find this interesting in a couple of different points. First of all, just anecdotally from, you know, Facebook neighborhood group, wherever Mm. I like, I just find it fascinatingly morbid. How many, you know, dare I say, I know the concept of being a gentleman. I don't know if that's a bit antiquated or whatever, but I, I can't get over, you know, the amount of people like a man who, you know, comes upon like a woman and her dog and the dog attacks one or both of them. And apparently in a lot of cases, uh, he'll just leave like, oh, gee, I'm sorry. My dog's usually friendly. Okay, goodbye. Uh, And, you know, leaving people in, you know, serious states of trauma and and injury. So I, I think that's number one, just the fact that really it should be treated more like, an assault Mm. perpetrated by a human because it really is the owner's responsibility to kind of keep things in check. The other thing that I find interesting is just as members of the disability community, we are really very vulnerable in a couple thing ways, obviously with, you know, uh, guide dogs and how that training goes and how you're trained, but also just the expectations on you. Like people expect you to take your guide dog to the dog park Mm -hmm. and, you know, expect you to do this and that. And you really are kind of relying on the 
consistency in the safety of the community in order to do that. So this is something I highly support. I think that we we really need to get a little bit more serious yeah. about that. We'll see what happens uh, as the week goes on here. And there's going to be a lot of controversy, but we'll see if we can push this through. Mm. Um. So I guess moving on to another kind of sobering um, piece of news here. There is a Statistics Canada survey that was done, um, and they found, I guess this isn't really super um, surprising, but we'll just go over the stats. But essentially, they found that happiness and life satisfaction across Canada was correlated with home ownership versus being a, a renter. Um, so they found that, first of all, only 51.7% of Canadian residents report high life satisfaction. Like, isn't that kind of depressing? Um, but in Ontario, only 48.3% of people do. And in BC, 48% do. Um, so that's a lot lower. Also in Vancouver in particular, uh, people report uh, a lot lower levels of mental health. Uh, there are significant amounts of people who live in either unsatisfactory or unaffordable homes and spend over half of their money on shelter. Um, but as noted, they found that uh, people who own their own homes were significantly more likely to be happier and more satisfied with life. And what's coming out of this is that they're urging the government to invest in non-commercial, non-market housing, such as co-ops, where people pay significantly lower rent so that at least if they don't own homes, we can kind of help compute in a more positive way some of that financial hardship. Not not surprising at all, really, um, but just brings... uh, I guess kind of the sober reality that until we can get some better programs, we talk about this all the time on the show or a little bit lower inflation uh, or some higher social housing. Uh, This is going to be a really significant strain on people just wondering where their home is going to be and if they can continue to afford it. Yep. And for people moving around more than they'd like to, you know, market rent just keeps increasing and increasing, which is ridiculous to keep up with, right? As as you say, with inflation. Uh, But also, yeah, like, you know, you point out the ideal, which is that people want to own homes and they're significantly happier when they do own homes. But unfortunately, the reality of that and the ripple effect of trying to get everybody to own homes is endless with riddled with issues and challenges right and we're not just talking about prices of homes but availability and um location and accessibility and accommodation and what that looks like there it's just never ending the conversations around how to make that possible grant so we got to start somewhere and i always wonder what that somewhere could possibly be because of how complex the situation is around housing and affordability to say the least yeah oh Exactly. It's so interesting, isn't it? Because like home ownership is not necessarily the holy grail in many ways. And in fact, it comes with a fair fair amount of risk as well. So the fact that we are here when I would imagine historically, uh, possibly just renting for years might have actually been a lot less stressful than trying to figure out, you know, can I have all the risks that come with owning a home? So we're really just flipping this uh, 
on its face. Yeah, it's quite interesting because yeah. it used to be just this simple understanding of, hey, if you own a home, then the, the savings aspect of it, right? So like the investment aspect of it in real estate is uh, better than or should be, ought to be better than you renting and then putting away that extra money you would spend on a mortgage into your savings. Now the conversation is so much more complicated than that. Hoping we can look back at this one day, you know, when we enter whatever middle age, it's just keep moving on. And we're like, oh, I don't even remember what things were like back then. It's yeah, so right. Yeah. Not the <laughs> trauma, you, nothing. You, <laughs> you want to talk about a sobering thought, go look at the prices of houses and that will really make you go. Yeah, yeah I don't think so. That that's That's also a real sobering thought. And I like the idea of being able to call my landlord and be like, can you fix this versus if I owned exactly. a home? Exactly. This my, is not my a roof, problem. <laughs> my roof caved in and I own my home and it's like, darn, I got to fix the roof now. So it's, yeah. it's there's there's two sides to this, Grant, for sure. Thank you, Grant, as always. Always great stuff. And uh, we'll talk to you again on Wednesday with more headlines. Always a pleasure. Thanks, guys. That was Grant Hardy for the latest headlines. And again, like I mentioned, he'll be back on Wednesday with more. Join me every couple weeks for the Outdoors with Lawrence Gunther podcast, where we learn about outdoor tech and tips. Plus, we look at news affecting the environment. AMI's Outdoors with Lawrence Gunther is available from your favorite podcast provider.